ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Oh my God. They're going to get the runner? Oh, that's it. Okay, coming for the runner? What the duck is happening here? Mm-hmm. The videos from YouTube, which absolutely terrify me. Killer whales attacking boats. Killer whales. That's what's happening here. Orcas. They're smart, they're fast, and they've got a tongue dexterous enough to eat just your liver, but leave your kidneys, if that's what they want to do. And they're finally turning on us. Or are they? Welcome to What the Duck, the podcast that gives nature the side eye. And I'm Dr. Ann Jones, and this is Martin Evans. So I was sailing from the UK to Greece. And we'd sailed all the way down from the UK, across Biscay. We'd gone all the way down the northern Spanish coast, all the way across Portugal. And we were sort of pretty much, as far as I was aware, kind of done with the kind of concerns of the orcas. And suddenly we were knocked dramatically off course. I thought, oh, hang on, the autopilot's gone. And then as I turned around to look at the wheel and I realized it wasn't just gradually moving, it was jerking from side to side. And I looked right to the side of the boat and there on both the starboard and port side were orcas right next to the boat. I'd be honest, the, the, my stomach sank. I was immediately concerned and immediately, you know, you see these orcas swimming right around the side of the boat. It was distressing. I just like, what are we gonna do? Well, I was, I was going to find out because it lasted for about two hours. Since 2020, there have been 500 yacht versus orca interactions recorded in this area of the Gibraltar Strait. Martin was part of a crew that was sailing a large-ish yacht. There's a great big wheel in the centre of the boat and it was literally going from its full lock from left to right. It was really intense. So, like, if you try to put your hands on it, like, there was... Like, just absolutely zero difference to the momentum of the wheel. In fact, this is one of the ways that sailors have been injured. They try to hold the wheel and then get wrenched and thrown around like they're a baby seal that's about to become an orca toy. Too much? And I couldn't work out exactly what it was they're doing. Like, were they going underneath the boat and were they just using their body to rub up against the, the rudder stock? And, you know, was that enough to force the... the the rudder from moving or were they when in fact chewing it i mean like what were they doing and the boat at this point is now sort of it's they're kind of controlling where it's going they were right at the side of the boat so they would come right up they would be expressing big blasts out of their blowholes there would be mists of water there were rainbows around us you know just from the water that they were spraying out how did it actually end they seemed to swim away and we were like, oh, fantastic, you know. And a very typically British thing, we, we sat down and made a cup of tea and just, <laughs> you know, kind of gathered our wits. You would be forgiven for thinking that terrifying orca encounters have only just started happening recently, but then you'd be wrong. In the 6th century AD. Yeah, that far back. That's Peter Keegan. A professor of ancient history at Macquarie University in Sydney. Yeah. 
we're going there. Ancient history. Peter is here to tell us all about a killer whale that absolutely terrified the people of Constantinople. The whale was called Porphyrius. The whale had been annoying the city of Byzantium and the towns about it for almost 50 years. This tracks. Female killer whales can live for 50 to 90 years and I've been known to hold a grudge at least that long. It had been sinking boats, it had been terrifying the passengers of other boats. Sounds familiar. It had been driving these boats off their course and, and sometimes even carrying them off. It eventually became a concern of the emperor, Justinian. He decided to uh, capture the creature. Typical wildlife-human conflict resolution. Just kill the wildlife, eh? Eventually, though, this particular creature beached itself. And after the beaching, it does get a bit gory. Quite a number of uh, townsfolk attacked it with axes, uh, so Procopius tells us, hacking at it. Uh, they eventually decided to cut the beast up, divide it out, and eventually to consume it. Oh my stars. I think we can all agree that in general, the whales do have cause to want to attack our yachts. We do call them interactions, we don't call them attacks. Ooh, sorry. Dr Beck Wellard is a research adjunct at Curtin University and lead researcher at Project Orca. And like everyone, she's been fascinated by whatever the orcas are up to in the Strait of Gibraltar. Off the Iberian coast, so we're looking at off Spain and Portugal, killer whales have been targeting boats. And not just every boat, but sailing yachts. And unfortunately, sometimes these interactions have ended up with disabling the boat, or even sinking a few this year as well. I, for one, do not want to end up in the water with a pod of killer whales. And while the likelihood of me being on a yacht off the Iberian coast is smaller than being killed by a thylacine at this point, let's try to find out what the heckity heck is going on. Option one, could it be revenge? One of the theories is that it could be a response from one individual called White Gladys. White Gladys, this big old lady. A female orca. Got injured by a yacht at some point. So maybe a collision with a vessel or being trapped in fishing nets. And that kind of leads on to people saying, oh, it's revenge. You know, this is why she's kind of acting out against it. And that's one of the theories that was put forward. I think any of these theories are speculations. Uh, Ultimately, we don't know. Dr. Luke Rendell is one of the doyens of cetacean behavioural research. He's at St Andrews in Scotland, though when he talked to me, he was on a boat, which is fitting. A negative interaction has led to this individual behaving in a certain way, but of course there's no real evidence for that. Doesn't seem plausible to me, this whole thing about revenge. And I certainly believe killer whales are capable of complex emotions, but, you know, why haven't we seen such revenge beforehand, you know? People are assuming it's aggression given the damage to the vessels, but these orca, they're targeting one specific area on the boat, the rudder, and once that rudder has come off, whether they've banged against it or, you know, knocked it off, the orca soon lose interest. And a sailboat doesn't generally have huge big blades that propel it through the water, so it's not the sort of thing that would cut an orca up. It isn't usually using big nets that could entangle an orca. So if White Gladys was after revenge from some sort of pain that was caused, why would she be targeting smaller yachts? Could this just be an intelligent and inquisitive animal playing and engaging with something in their environment? Nah, 
It's definitely revenge. One bit that is potentially true about the White Gladys idea, though, is that it's an individual leading or a smaller number of orcas that are actually doing this. For a start, orca society is led by a grandma orca. She's the head honcho. We've only seen a few individuals with this population of killer whales do it. It was one female, White Gladys, and a few other juveniles. So we're not talking about a million orcas rising up to fight. There's a handful in one spot. So far. All right, option two. Are they socialists? The Iberic Peninsula has a long history of political upheaval after all. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. That, that's in the realm of speculation. Socialist orcas uprising. Uh, who knows? Why not? Let's run with that and see where it can take us. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure they have much in the way of political sensibilities, although they are very cooperative and they do share their food. So in some ways we can we can project that onto them if we want to. But that's basically what's going on here, I think, is projection. All right. If we can rule out that these are politically motivated attacks against an economic elite, could we just say then that orcas are, you know, wankers? Okay. Okay. Another stupid theory. All right. So a lot of people buy yachts because they really want to get laid, right? And so, could <laughs> could it be a sex thing? Could they be using the rudder as a sex toy? The the humans or the killer whales? <laughs> we know that they interact with the environment in certain ways to produce, you know, what appear to be physically pleasurable things. Because we know that in the west coast of Canada, there are specific stony beaches that the animals like to visit and rub themselves on the stones there. It's called the Rubbing Beach. It's north of Vancouver Island and Johnston Strait. Just picture. Summertime, smooth pebbles, and a whole lot of orcas. And they push their enormous bodies against these really smooth pebbles, like that's a type of day spa for them. Sensory-seeking behaviour, it's something that just feels so good. We do it, we're mammals, so it doesn't make that much of a stretch to believe that orcas might be doing stuff purely for pleasure also. It is somewhat plausible that the sensation of biting on the rudder perhaps stimulates their gums in some ways. Like pressing on a little bit of gingivitis, the exquisite pleasure of pain. Or somehow, you know, just feels right to them. That's actually as plausible as any of the explanations that we've had put forward for this, that there's some way in which this is releasing or stimulating them that we don't yet understand. They're incredibly intelligent animals and I think they are just exploring their environment. You know, it's one of the best ways that they can find new ways to feed or new prey or better techniques to, to kill their prey. What we do know is that killer whales around the world have developed an amazing diversity of ways to make a living in the ocean from cooperatively herding herring in the North Atlantic through to taking sea lions off beaches in Peninsula Valdez through to pinning stingrays down off New Zealand. These all had to come from somewhere, right? A lot of this could just be their intelligence and their inquisitive nature and then also just exploring their environment. With half an eye on what is edible and could be exploited. And I'm looking at you, yotties. Or, you know, purely just for fun. They're intelligent animals. We can't rule that out. When you see them playing with kelp or seaweed, which I have seen, it's hard to ignore that, hey, they're doing it because it's fun or it feels good. How do they play with seaweed? 
I've seen them, they pick it up in their mouth and then they drop it and the next one underneath grabs it and they'll kind of rub it along like their bodies. It must feel good for a bit of a tickle and then one other one will drop it and then, then another one will swim underneath and grab it from them. Sort of sounds like a version of tunnel ball, but with the tickles. We have examples from around the world of idiosyncratic behaviours shown by one particular social group that don't necessarily seem to have any kind of adaptive function, but seem to be socially quite important. And one of the most well-known one was from the 80s, where... A part of southern resident killer whales. They would feed on salmon. Off the, the west coast of Canada for a couple of summers were seen all the time carrying dead salmon on their head. Ah, yes, the infamous salmon hat craze, where a dead salmon would be pushed around on an orca's head like it was a fascinator, and they're off to the spring races. So I don't know what the benefit of wearing these salmon on their heads would have been other than a bit of fun. Wow. Well, maybe it's just like in the 80s where there was a period where people wore their pants backwards, you know. (laughs) It's the shoulder pad of the whale world. (laughs) But, yeah, that is what a fad is. It's something that appears in culture, takes hold, everyone's doing it, and then it disappears. Though apparently, occasionally, one of the whales remembers this and swims around for a bit with a dead salmon on its head like a little hat. Um, And this sort of, you know, learning of new behaviours and spreading through the group is used to open up and exploit new niches and to learn complex behavioural techniques for doing that. So, are the orcas exploring with an ultimate view to find out if the yachts are yummy? Is it a testing phase, a fad, to see what sort of behaviours are worth keeping around? Maybe. We know that the majority of these attacks are directed at boats that have a specific type of rudder called a spade rudder that that hangs underneath the boat. And they often have shapes that are not too dissimilar from the pectoral fins of some cetacean species. It seems plausible to me that that this is a kind of inquisitive play behaviour directed at trying to understand whether, you know, these boats in some way can be converted into food. It's all very well thinking about this in the abstract, but one of the people that was going to become potentially an orca's version of an unhappy meal was Martin Evans, who was crew on a yacht that was being attacked, I mean, being interacted with. And they knew what the scientists had said to do. Drop the sails, turn off the engine turn off the electrics and basically just hope that they'd kind of, you know, get bored with you as a bit of a floating object and see if they would swim away. But these orcas did not swim away. In fact, Martin said their behaviour intensified. Uh, When I say they were like going up against the hull, it was mostly what seemed to be the rudder stock that they were going for. Um, And that was moving the boat on its axis around a little bit as well, but it was thumping it. Dump, 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 over and over and over again. Look, as exciting and dramatic as it was, it it wasn't like they were trying to kill us as well. It was like they were involved in some sort of... They were playing rough. They were very much focused on something. They were enjoying it. But it didn't look like it was... It just didn't look like it was like a pleasant thing they were doing. There was what looked like little pieces of chunks of foam. You know, the sea isn't absolutely spotlessly clean, but it's normally clean enough that you don't see bits of the boat floating behind you. And I was like, okay, they must be chewing it up because bits of the rudder are coming off. Sometimes with marine mammals, 
people get this sort of recognition feeling where they see each other or there's eye contact. Did that happen in in this case? Did you think that they were even aware that you were on the boat? They were beyond aware of my presence on the And I jokingly said I could smell their breath. It was, they would come out, I would see them, they would look at me, um, we made eye contact. They 100% knew we were on the boat. Um, I also think in the same respect, if they really wanted to genuinely sort of destroy the boat, that they were far more capable of doing it rather than what they just did. Right, good point. Has a wild orca, a wild killer whale, ever actually had a nibble on a human? In the wild, there's been not one piece of evidence to support that. When kept in captivity, it's a different story. But in the wild, they do not appear to be interested in whether we are tasty. They have eaten lots of other different types of animals that you probably wouldn't believe until I told you, like a moose and a deer and crazy animals like that. Yeah. Wait, okay, (laughs) do we know the backstory of the moose? Because I need to hear that. Yeah, look, sometimes these animals can go into the water and I'm not sure if the killer whale killed it for fun or if they ate it, but there's certainly evidence that, yeah, look, they've been known to play with so many different animals that they as they explore their environment and they do live up to their name. They're amazing predators and I've seen them kill many animals just to either teach their young or or just for fun. Goodo absolutely could kill but haven't yet. I have another colleague who, while they were on a rib, a rigid-hulled inflatable boat, collecting some data from killer whales in Antarctica, were subject to one of these displacement attempts where they all sort of line up and swim very fast. They did this to the rib that my friend was on and did not manage to overturn it, but gave them a real fright. So I don't know what would have happened to them if they had fallen in the water. They may well have gotten tasted. Whether they would have been you know, considered appetizing is another question. But Ha! Scientist! That's what I think that sounds like. Historically, wild orca are not known to exhibit aggressive behaviour to humans. You know, we've shot at them, we've captured them, we've put them in captivity. So there's some real motives as to why they want to show aggression to us, but 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 they haven't. I mean, are killer whales scared of anything then? They don't appear to be scared of the class system. They don't appear to be scared of hurled boat shoes. What about Jaws, the great white shark? Everyone's scared of Jaws, right? They've been reported to kill a number of species of sharks. Oh, come on! Anna Selbin is a PhD candidate at the University of Iceland. There have been some studies from South Africa where they hunt the great white shark even, so it's a really big shark species. And it's not just in South Africa, they kill them here in Australia. So, you know... the. Battle of the Beasts, killer whales win in every instance. So they they can pretty much kill anything. Like in Australia, they hunt blue whales, which is the biggest animal on Earth. So So are orcas the top of the top of the top of the marine environment? Could it be that a killer whale has never felt fear? Then what is all this about? Anna is actually studying the interactions between pilot whales and orcas. Pilot whales are really big, scary dolphins. Incredibly smart, incredibly social, they're dark in colour and look like a snub-nosed missile. They're a little bit smaller than orcas in all respects, and given that orcas can literally kill great white sharks, it's surprising then that orca swim away 
from pilot whales, like an extraordinary game of chasey between two apex predators. This interaction is like really puzzling and it's uh, why I think people are so intrigued about it. The pilot whales are seen approaching the killer whales and usually they do that at very high speed. Something like 15 or 25k an hour. So they, they come like porpoising, jumping out of the water towards the killer whales. When the pilot whales arrive, they usually arrive in big groups and they make a cacophony of sound underwater. It's very loud and they all scream at the same time. <laughs> so one idea is that the killer whales actually hear them from quite some distance away. Do you want to hear? Yes, I, but do I can want to hear. Of course I want to hear. Oh my goodness. <laughs> of what the pilot whales sound like. Um, let me just see. Wow. Yeah, we we have we have called them the hooligans because they come in, they make a lot of noise, <laughs> and then the killer whales. Sometimes they don't seem to respond at all. They cool guy it. Most of the time, they just seem to avoid the pilot whales, so they just move away. Or sometimes we just don't see them anymore for a while, and then they pop up a kilometer away or two kilometers away. Cool as cucumbers. They don't worry us. We just wanted to move over here. Um, but sometimes we really see a chase between the two species. So both of them like start swimming very fast and both of them start this porpoising behavior. Porpoising includes what one paper has called ballistic jumps. These are long leaps through the air and it saves on energy when you're going really fast because the air has less drag than the water. Sometimes we really see them chasing each other. Tens or hundreds of whales leaping, speeding and screaming. When we see this chasing behavior, we had much bigger groups of pilot whales than when we saw the killer whales just avoiding the pilot whales. Have we actually uncovered, or you actually, have you and your colleagues actually uncovered an animal that the orca is actually scared of? <laughs> is the pilot, does the pilot whale reign supreme? That is a good question. Um, I don't know if, <laughs> if I can say yes or no to this question. <laughs> um, so... There are some theories as to why this behavior is occurring. And one of them is that it's uh, competition. So this could be for food or territory or hunting grounds. But we don't really have much evidence for that oh. uh, because they don't really feed on the same thing. So they actually suggested that this is a behavior that is based in predation so that it's a mobbing strategy so that the pilot was are actually trying to get rid of a potential predator by like scaring it away. But yeah, in our case, the, the killer whales that we observe here, they mostly feed on herring, so they don't, they're not really known to hunt mammals. So pilot whales gang up and bully orcas. Even though they don't actually eat the same thing as the orcas, their territories don't really overlap, and the orcas don't appear to even eat mammals in that particular area. The pilot whales just dominate them. Yeah, that, you could you could you could sum it up like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that it is possible to annoy the scariest animal on earth so much that it runs away. Hey, wait! I haven't finished yet because although we joke about orcas eating the rich, 
There's actually a really important conversation that needs to be had about these interactions. Because when humans are threatened by wildlife, we tend to only ever act in one way. I, I think I'm, I'm most concerned really about, you know, where this goes from here. Um, if this interaction continues, then the chances of it having even more serious consequences than it has to this point are really, really there, right? It could become really nasty. And we're not just talking about the risk to humans. This is a small subpopulation of killer whales in the Strait of Gibraltar, and they are considered critically endangered. So to have this interaction then descend into something that is ultimately harmful for the animals themselves, I think would be a really sad outcome. Yeah, that, that I think is what concerns me most about it. Well, that is what the duck for this episode. And what are our takeaways? Even though I love the fact that they're out there and they've never really eaten a human when they're in the wild, I'm still not getting in the water. I'm Ann Jones. Patria Ladgrove and I produce this program from Waterong and Ghana country. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.